Be present with us, dear Lord, in this place here today. Amen. Amen. We are a people who live by labels. Take me, for instance. I'm a seminarian, a daughter, a singer, an aunt, a candidate for holy orders, a terrible knitter. I could keep going, but I think you get the picture. And between services, I had someone come up to me and tell me her Myers-Briggs personality type. That's another modern-day label that we put on ourselves. I could go on and on. When I meet a new person and they ask me about myself, I tell them that I'm a graduate student. I label myself. We identify ourselves with labels because we are a people who have been socialized to identify ourselves, our neighbors, and the world around us with labels. So what happens when those labels are taken away? What happens when Jesus comes and strips us of the labels that we are accustomed to employing? What do we do then? In the Gospel lesson from Matthew, Jesus admonishes the Pharisees for a failure to practice what they preach. This is nothing new. Jesus speaks against the Pharisees quite frequently. After reminding us that we are supposed to give the glory to God and to structure our lives in such a way that makes this a reality, he goes further to tell us we cannot call our earthly father, Father. Furthermore, we must not call anyone on earth teacher or instructor because the Messiah was our one teacher and instructor. Now, I've heard many people try to interpret this message so that Jesus isn't really saying that we can't call our dads father. Jesus wouldn't want us to disrespect our parents. That goes against the Ten Commandments. Honor your mother and father. So Jesus must mean something else, right? No. Jesus is quite clear, and call no one on earth your father, for you have one father in heaven. And he said something like this before, right in the book of Matthew. When Jesus is on the road and some disciples want to follow them, one of them says, let me bury my father and then I will follow you. But Jesus responds, let the dead bury their dead. Jesus instructs the man to stop making excuses and to follow him. It isn't an instruction that we should disrespect our parents. Rather, Jesus is instructing us to stop letting labels get in the way of following him. If we follow the commandment to honor our mother and father by respecting and caring for our parents, but then we look past the anguish of a homeless person in the park, have we really kept the commandment? You see, what is hidden in the midst of Jesus' cry against the Pharisees and his call against the labels of teacher, father, and instructor is actually a cry against all of us who do one thing after saying another. Likewise, it's a cry against those of us who do the right thing in order to obtain praise for other, from others. This passage doesn't simply admonish the Pharisees for their inability to live up to the standard that they've set for others. This passage admonishes all of us who live in the hypocrisy that exists when we call one person father, brother, or friend, and then we pass by a fellow human being in need simply because they don't have a label that we 
can relate to. It is calling out all of us who work for justice when part of the motivation that drives that effort is the applause we will get from our neighbors when we are finished. It feels good to to do good things, but we have to think about why we are doing them. We fail to fully live into God's commandment to love one another as we have been loved because we allow the labels to get in our way. Often, when we read the Gospels, it is so easy to read what Jesus has to say against the Pharisees, the Sadducees, tax collectors, and sinners, because we forget he is talking to us. We are not the righteous ones who are being told that we will fit through the eye of the needle with ease because we have left behind the trappings of this world. We are the wealthy and the privileged. We are the sinners who are stumbling along the pathway. We are the Pharisees who make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. We are the ones who are praying out on the street corner while being instructed to pray in quiet. Today, we are the Pharisees. But that doesn't mean we have no hope. Of course it doesn't. But the hope that's being offered here is difficult to receive. The hope and the healing that is being offered to us today is to strip away our labels. The hope we have is to accept the grace that is being offered to us. But to make room for that grace, we need to unload a lot of the things that are cluttering up our lives and making it difficult for us to feel at home in that grace. It sounds simple on the surface, opening ourselves to God's grace. We talk about that all the time. But let's really consider what it would mean in the context of today's gospel. When I labeled myself at the beginning, I said I was a seminarian, a daughter, a singer, an aunt. I won't keep going. You remember the list. For me to stand up and accept the grace that Jesus is offering, it would require that I identify solely as a child of God and your sister in Christ. The rest of the labels hold no meaning from a heavenly perspective. When I die, I will no longer be a seminarian or a singer. I will be what I have always been, a child of God. And what's more than that, I will be a beloved child of God, just like I already am. It feels tremendously freeing when I sit and close my eyes and breathe that in, losing track of all those other labels. But when I open my eyes again and find myself in 2011 Northern Virginia, losing track of my labels is terrifying. I'm currently searching for a job. Can you imagine what folks would say if I put under my special skills being a beloved child of God? What does that even mean? And I'm going into the ministry. What if you were looking for a position in IT or retail and you put being a child of God as your ultimate skill to get you the position? I'm not sure that would go over so well. But is that what Jesus is really asking us to do here? Again, no. It helps if we look back to the gospel from two weeks ago when Jesus was confronted in this, or Jesus confronted folks in the synagogue about paying their taxes. They had brought the denarius and said, are we supposed to really, you know, give this back to the government? 
In that passage, Jesus told the people that they should give back the government their money because it is theirs and give to God what is God's. We learned that this was our bodies, our souls, and our minds belonging to God, the things that we needed to give back. While all of the earthly possessions belong to this world and can stay right where they are. This is the same idea. We are being called to a place where we don't let our earthly labels distract us from the divine purpose that God has for us. It is the line between pride and glory that we must walk. God has blessed us with the skills we have, and when we lose track of the fact that it is God who has provided those skills and abilities, that is when we fall into the trappings of pride. Jesus is teaching us to be disciples, and to be a disciple, we must learn to leave everything behind when we follow him. Stanley Hauervoss is a professor of theological ethics at Duke, and he's the author of numerous books, one of which I ordered three months ago and finally got this week. It's a brand new book called Working With Words on Learning to Speak Christian. In it, he's included a commencement address that he gave at Eastern Mennonite Seminary. And in that address, he describes the job of a minister as a teacher of the language of Christianity. Hauervoss says that seminary is an exercise in learning to read Christian texts, working towards an end of learning to speak Christian, so that graduates can enter the ministry and become teachers of the Christian language, so that we can all learn to speak as fluently as possible together. He focuses his work on the risks and challenges associated with using words to talk about God. Those same challenges are inherent as we venture out into the world trying to live a Christian life when we're not fluent in the Christian language because Christian culture is not the prevalent culture in which we live. Christian language becomes a second language to us when we grow up in this world. One of the most important things for us to learn as we become teachers of the Christian language, Hauervoss claims, is to know when to be quiet. He tells us there's a blessing inherent in learning from the Spirit when we're supposed to speak and when we are supposed to let the silence speak. It is there in the silence, I believe, that we are living into our status as always already beloved children of God. It is in the silence that we let go of the labels and where we make room for the Holy Spirit to speak through us, sometimes with, but more often without words. That is when we live up to the label and allow others to find their child of God label inside of themselves. Jesus isn't telling us to put child of God on our resume in place of the other labels that represent our experience. He isn't telling us to stop being the creative and fabulous individuals that we are in this world. He is telling us, however, that in the great scheme of things, our resumes don't matter. Jesus isn't telling us to disrespect our parents because our earthly parents aren't quite as important as our heavenly parent. 
He is telling us to respect all of our fellow human beings because we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus isn't telling us that we should condemn the modern-day Pharisees who wear their prayers like a cloak while acting in ways contrary to their preaching. He is reminding us that we are the Pharisees who must learn to match our activities to our faith without expectation of accolades. We are a people who live by labels. And if we truly want to follow Christ, we don't need to change our nature. Our nature is having been created in the image of God. We can still be a people who live by labels, but we have to adjust which labels we use. My name is Audrey. I am a Christian, a child of God, and your sister in Christ. My current vocation is as a graduate student working towards holy orders. I enjoy singing and knitting, though my creations are made with love and very little skill. I have a large family who I love very much. It is a pleasure to meet you. Now, please tell me about yourself. Amen.